0: Welcome to Greenhouse Grower to Grower, the podcast where we talk to growers from across the greenhouse industry about market trends, innovation, their biggest challenges and opportunities, and more. Hey everyone, I'm Brian Sparks, editor of Greenhouse Grower, joined today by Julie Hewlett, who's the senior editor of Greenhouse Grower. Um, Normally in, in this podcast, we talk to growers about what's happening in the industry. We wanted to take a little bit of a different approach today as we wind down 2023, this is a chance for Julie and I to talk about you know, the, some of the highlights of this past year in the floriculture industry, what we expect as we get into 2024, some of the trends that are taking shape. Um, and then also just to give folks a, kind of a taste of how Greenhouse Gore works behind the scenes, for, for if you're not aware of, of, of how our brand operates. And also those of you maybe who are just finding us through the greenhouse grower to go podcast it gives you a chance to kind of see what greenhouse grower is all about what we you know looked at this year what we're looking forward to next year so julie thanks for uh, for joining me today and thanks for 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 being on the podcast
1: oh of course thanks for having me i'm excited to be here
0: one of the things that i thought we would just jump right into you know this was your first year of attending california spring trials And if you go to greenhousegrower.com, and you'll probably talk about this, but there was so much great content that came out of that, whether it was photo galleries and slideshows to to videos with Julie and Dr. Alan Armitage, who was a fixture at California Spring Trials. Can you kind of talk about, you know, how CAST went for you this year? What were some of your biggest takeaways and how that might lead lead into now that you're a veteran, we'll say, of Spring Trials, how that will uh, lead into what you do next year?
1: You know, cast was definitely a highlight for me for a couple reasons. Um, Whether you work in the industry or not, cast is just such a stunning display of flowers. And it's beautiful to go to California. You know, you're along the coast in many of the cities. You have the mountains in the background and just see endless rows of flowers. All of these new genetics that no one has ever seen before. So I really enjoyed that part of it. That was also my first time traveling with Dr. Dr. Armitage and it's funny because, you know, he's been in the industry for so long and he keeps saying that a lot of people that he used to know, they've retired and he doesn't know as many people anymore, but we go to cast, and everyone's just lining up to talk to Dr. A, and it was funny to see, but it also is really a privilege to work with someone that's so well known and so respected in the industry. And he taught me so much. Like I said, that was my first year at Cast. So it was so informative to walk around with him. And he talked to a lot of the breeders and um, the breeders and Dr. A were able to explain why particular genetics were like, why this color was rare or why a new variety was especially good for growers, whether it was more compact or it made them for a more uniform series. So it was a very informative trip. And just for me personally, I've always enjoyed being a little bit of a people watcher. Um, I like to see how crowds and groups are responding to certain situations. And I thought that spring trials was a really good place to do that as well, because you can tell what the top picks of the year are gonna be just based on how people are responding to them. You'll see a particular table and there's like consistently a larger group uh, looking at those plants. So that kind of puts up like a a flag for me. And you can see certain people will be asking a lot of questions about certain plants. So I just thought that that was really exciting too. You get a little bit of a taste before things come to market for what everyone thinks looks really cool. So I thought that that was a lot of fun. It was a great trip.
0: And if you go to our YouTube channel, you can see so many of the videos that Julie and Alan took together. Um, Those of you who may have met Julie, either at cast or cultivate this past year alan's not going to be the only one with a special hat moving forward i think julie (laughs) your hat was definitely your marker uh during uh, through all these videos so um
1: (laughs) yeah it was i didn't even do that on purpose it was just a, a hat that i brought for the weather and then i saw that alan had a hat too and people kept commenting on my hat so i've decided it's a new tradition i'm gonna have a new hat to debut at Cast every year. So stay tuned for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing to look forward
0: to, there you go, I love that.
1: It is my new hat. <laughs> uh, I know Brian has done a lot of work too with the top, the Greenhouse Grower Top 100 list. So can you share some of those numbers uh, from that list, Brian?
0: Yeah, this is one of the most exciting things that I, uh, that I work on every year, you know? So if you don't know, Greenhouse Grower puts together a list of the largest ornamental operations in the country by square footage every year. Um, along with that, we don't just ask about size. Uh, we ask about shifts in crop production. We ask about some of the key challenges that business face. The businesses face both in and out of the greenhouse. Uh, we ask about trends in technology. Uh, we ask about any hot button topics at the time. Transportation is a constant concern. You know, the past couple of years we had been asking about how the industry was was dealing with and then coming out of the covid-19 pandemic about supply chain issues. So it's really good a chance to learn not just about where some of these operations are in terms of size but also, you know, just in terms of some of the other key issues that the, uh, other that they're uh, dealing with. What was really interesting to me this year as we put the list together, which you can find on greenhousegrower.com as well, just search for top 100 growers is you know, if you look at just by the numbers roughly two-thirds or so of the companies this year didn't change size or didn't change size too much in square footage. But when we started to look ahead and we asked, you know, what are you planning for the coming years? That's where we got a real sense of, you know, this industry is primed for potentially significant growth going into 2024 and beyond. There were some growers that told us that, you know, coming out of COVID, you know, a lot of the industry had very strong sales. So they had you would say that the financial resources to expand, but there were a couple of concerns that, that kept some operations from, you know, really digging in too much to expansion, whether it was, you know, supply chain issues and you know, just making sure that you, you're uh, concerned about whether you get the materials that you need to build something new. Uh, the other question was, you know, we've gained all these consumers during the pandemic. Are they gonna stick around? I think that was leading to some hesitation as well. I think as we got through 2023, you know, certainly the supply chain issues—they haven't completely gone away, but um, those issues are improving significantly. I think we're also seeing, just by a lot of the, com- of the conversations that we've had, that you know, oh, we might not see the numbers we saw in 2021, this this new wave of consumers looks like they're going to be sticking around for the most part. So that's kind of leading into what we hope and expect to see over the next couple of years is some of these growers. Really, either improving in size or, you know, really renovating some of their facilities to keep up with efficiency and 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 figure out ways to to use your team the right way. Um, as I mentioned, you know, for the top 100, we ask more than about size. We also ask about key issues and concerns. What we do with that information is that we put it into a white paper, which again you can also find on greenhousegrower.com. It's right on the top 100 growers page. You can download that just to get a taste of this of this year's survey and you know where the industry is now and where it's headed with with some of these critical areas. You know, there's also you know the the what's happening with at, at some of these operations themselves. You know, one of the tough things we saw was near the end of this year. One of the leading operations, Dan Chance Farm and Greenhouses, had to make the tough decision to shut down operations by the end of this year. Um, You know, you you see that from year to year, and you hope that doesn't happen to to too many other companies. But you know, like I said, for the most part, I think as you look to you know the next couple of years, you might see a lot of growth in this industry. So it's something I think we're really excited about. You know, speaking of excitement, um, one of the highlights for greenhouse grower every year is going to cultivate, not just to talk to a lot of folks, but also to present our annual Medal of Excellence Awards, Um, it's a great chance to recognize some of the best innovations in plant breeding, to technology, to some of the leading growers and companies who are shaping the industry. Julie, I'll ask you, I know this this was your second go around with uh, both Cultivate and Medal of Excellence, what were some of your key takeaways from either of those this year?
1: So there were a couple things that um, stand out in my mind. One of them, just uh, at Cultivate as a whole, I really enjoy the casual interactions. I'm sure that uh, growers and suppliers have those type of interactions a lot more than we do. But in the media, I feel like a lot of the time when I'm talking to somebody, it is a more formal conversation. Like if we have an interview on Teams or on Zoom, you know, we have our cameras turned on, we're usually recording the interview, we're taking notes, whatever the person says is going to be quoted in an article. And I think that sometimes that stifles the conversation a little bit just because it is more of a formal setting. So what's nice about Cultivate is that not only are you walking the trade show where you run into a lot of people but you're sitting in education sessions with them. You're going out to dinner with them. If you choose to go out on high street <laughs> late in the evening, you might be running into them at bars. And I think that it in- it opens up an opportunity for a much more uh, friendly conversation that's very casual. And you can just get to know each other as people rather than, you know, a magazine editor and a grower you can talk about what sports teams you like or what's going on with your kids and your family. So I just like the social setting of it where we can really get to know each other a little bit better. That's one of my favorite parts of Cultivate. Um, One of my favorites as well is presenting the awards at our Medal of Excellence reception. And this year, Todd Perkins, a breeder with Syngenta Flowers, he won the Industry Achievement Award and I first met Todd at California Spring Trials. He and Alan were good friends. And we immediate, immediately thought of him as a candidate for Industry Achievement Award. And when Todd talks about breeding, it is so obvious how passionate he is about his work. And he's very skilled, but he's also very humble. And when he came on stage for his acceptance speech, I was standing in the background, and he just, he cracks me up. I never expected him to do what he did. <laughs> um, he he took out his cell phone and he took a selfie. He turned around and he took a selfie with like three, 400 people that were in attendance in the background and I was just cracking up because I was like, that is so cool. Like I would, would have never expected someone to come up on stage and do that, but that was a lot of fun so he made me laugh about that. But then the more that he got into his speech, I teared up a little bit, too, because you could tell that his voice was trembling. He was so grateful for the award and so honored to be recognized for his career in breeding. And it really does mean everything to us to recognize someone who cares cares about the industry as much as someone like Todd does. Um, That's why we do it. You know, We, we love horticulture, we love floriculture, and we're happy to recognize people who are making achievements. So it's moments like that that really stand out to me and I find very rewarding. And I'm really looking forward to having more of those in the future.
0: Yeah, I think, and you, you kind of stole my thunder there with Todd. I mean, just uh, that has to be the highlight of Medal of Excellence this year was just seeing Todd's reaction and turning around and taking a selfie with the rest of the room behind him. And it's just, when you announce those names and no matter what category it is, the whole room just getting up, standing and cheering. And you're talking about, you know, you have competitors in the room who are, you know, up for the same award sometimes. And, but there's this constant sense of we're all in this together and excellence at one company or one operation is kind of a shared experience. You know, that's another thing I think that plays into this is it's for every award that we do, it's always such a tough decision. You know, I, I take the lead on a lot of our, um, I, on the grower of the year awards for both head grower and for operation. And it's never an easy decision each year. You've got so many great companies in this industry. And just to kind of see the reaction when you get a chance to call somebody's name, knowing that, you know, any one of those finalists, because every award that we do has finalists, is going to be a worthy candidate for that award and if one person's name is called everybody else is up for that award is going to get up cheer for him give him a big hand and then usually say congratulations afterwards and yeah, i talked to a lot of these growers after after medal of excellence each year and they usually tell me they hear right away from past winners who you know give them their own kudos and it's great that you know we're able to almost set this lifelong community of growers companies in the industry who are recognized for some of the for, for just leading the way. Um, you can't live in this industry in a bubble. You have to be at it, not just for your own company, but for the industry as well. So it's always great to see that. You know, just going back to cultivate in general, as you said, Julie, it's it's the best part to of uh, each year for me is just walking through the trade show floor and walking through the halls of the of the corridor at the Columbus Convention Center. Um having gone there for quite a few years now, I've I've really started to learn number one set a schedule for yourself but number two don't overload your schedule because you're going to constantly find yourself stopped in the middle of the trade show to talk to somebody you haven't maybe either talked to in a while or you've been you know in our case trading emails or phone calls with uh but this is you wanted a few chances to get to see these people in person and have these conversations and then i guess the other experience and i've learned this the hard way myself is i would set aside Let's say two appointments, one in row three of the trade show, followed up a half hour later by one in row forty. I don't <laughs> think I put on as many miles as quick a time running from row three to row forty to get to that next conversation that, the, uh, that I'm going to have. So it's a good workout. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is. Oh yeah, um, you know. But by that Tuesday afternoon, my feet are fried for for the rest of the week. So, <laughs> but you know, it is so invigorating. You know, you're you're tired coming home and cultivate, but you just you feel it's it, it's a great way for the for the season to kind of wind down and just you know reconnect with people that you've spent a lot of time communicating with and this is your chance to to really you know meet in person and and, and have some great conversations so you know that's one of the many things that I found to be very enjoyable this year Julie why don't you talk about just you know w- w- when you look back at 23 what what was the most enjoyable part of the year for you
1: you know, I think that the, the part of this year that I enjoyed the most uh, were the couple times that I got to go visit greenhouses. I'm sure a lot of people also got to visit green circle growers this year as part of the uh, tours that American Heart hosted for Cultivate. And that was pretty cool because, you, you know, you hear things over and over again, but to actually see it in action is a whole different experience and I knew the green circle had been using RFID tags, but I hadn't actually seen them work. So to see how those are scanned and the plants are sorted by various specs, like I remember one of them was um, how they're sorted by how many weeks are left until that plant ship date, and it's just pretty cool to see how how all the machines actually operate. So I liked that tour. And then I went up to Grand Rapids in September to see a couple more. I went to Walter's Gardens and got a whole tour and I saw the TTA Flex Sorter in use to sort like to grade young plants. And and that was pretty cool to see, too, because it's so efficient how fast that it moves. You can tell that, you know, it's definitely a, a labor saving opportunity for sure. And then when I was in Grand Rapids, when I was coming back from Grand Rapids, I also stopped at four star greenhouses um, and saw a lot of cool things at work. I remember one of them was the water filtration system. So to me, that's just a great way to learn and experience, you know, how their production practices actually work rather than just talking about it in an interview or reading about it. So I think the, the greenhouse tours are my favorite.
0: Oh, that's awesome those tours are such a great opportunity to be able to see you know for us and as editors we're you know find ourselves most of the year you know sitting behind our desk or uh, uh, behind our computer you know again having good conversations w- w- with folks but to really get out and see these operations in action is always a very rewarding experience i'm going to say for me this year you know what was quite special was so green eyes grower and then our parent company meister Media Worldwide. Has had a long-standing uh, relationship with the IR4 project, um, which, if you're not familiar, um, it's 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 an organization that works on behalf of growers in the industry to help them deal with some key crop protection challenges, and really helps expedite the process of getting special registrations if necessary. So, if you're dealing with a particular pest that you know there might not be a, a reasonable solution on the market right now, IR4 works to move that process along, and on behalf of the industry, you know, bring bring solutions to key challenges. This year was the 60th anniversary of IR4, and so, you know, working with them, we put together a special report um, that just highlighted some of the accomplishments of the organization over the years, how they work with both growers and with, you know, manufacturers. on on getting products registered. And then how IR4 as an organization is evolving much the same way that the rest of the industry is evolving. You know, as you see a a shift uh, towards biocontrols, you know, IR4 is kind of in that same boat. So the, 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 the steps that they take to recognize and address challenges is kind of changing at the same time. So um, again, if you go to greenescola.com, we've got a special report that looks looks through the legacy of IR4 and what they've accomplished over the years. So that was really exciting for me. Um, You know, speaking of exciting, we're getting into 2024. And I'll let Julie talk about it here in a second. But one of the things you'll see when you get the January issue is a tagline of the future of floriculture. Um, Julie, can you kind of talk a little bit more about our January issue and and what our readers can expect and then how that kind of is gonna kind of lead into um, how we're looking at things moving forward.
1: I will happily talk about the January issue. I think it took everything that I have, but I think <laughs> that it was very successful. Um, so 2023 was the 40th anniversary of Greenhouse Grower as a brand, which we're very excited to recognize and celebrate. And in those 40 years, most of our our coverage has been specifically on floriculture. We did do a rebranding around 2020 where we started covering Mm. vegetables grown to maturity and cannabis, but um, with this initiative that's taking place in January, we want to refocus specifically on floriculture, going back to our roots, uh, how the brand was founded, And because of that, the theme of the January magazine is the future of floriculture. And we wanted to talk to industry experts on all sorts of different topics just to get an idea from them on what trends they're seeing, what the future of floriculture looks like for them. And I think that we included a lot of really great information. One of the stories that I did was uh, talks about breeding and kind of comparing conventional breeding versus predictive breeding, looks at some of the pros and cons and what what practices breeders are looking at using in the future. Uh, we went over a lot of other topics like a new era of crop protection with biocontrols. We looked at the future of labor and how training development and the H2A program are all critical to having um, a consistent workforce and we have a couple of guest authors as well we have uh laura barth from the american floral endowment and diane Blazik from the national garden bureau and we they're talking about resources what what AFE offers to the industry in terms of research and funding and scholarships and uh things like marketing resources from the national garden bureau so i think that it's a wonderful issue that is full of information for growers. And we did make the magazine look a little bit different too. You guys will see we have um, a new logo and we kind of redesigned it. So I think that it's really a great way to kick off the year and a great way to kick off the future of floriculture.
0: And this focus, I think too, is not just limited to print either. When you go on to will you'll, you'll kind of see this reflected as well. And another example I could think of is if you don't know Julie, one thing you'll learn is that if you give Julie a story to work on and you give her two or three contacts, she will then reach out to five or six more beyond what you gave her. So <laughs> as a result, Julie collects so much information, often more than you can fit into a print article. But the benefit to that is, you know, we have our, our website and our newsletters where the th- there's no limit on on space and content. So every conversation that she had even if we can't, you know, fully address that conversation in print, we can do so online. So, you know, if you're reading something in the January issue, you can expect to find three times as much information online for some of the folks that we talked to because you know, these were great conversations we were having. So um, that's something to look forward to. You know, in addition to some of the changes that Julie talked about for the print magazine, there are a couple of other digital offerings that we're working on getting into 2024. We'll have a new newsletter uh, coming out on Thursdays that is specifically focused on on floral on floral varieties. We're going to be taking a monthly what we're calling a digital deep dive, where we identify a specific topic, we'll look through uh, content that we put together recently that that digs into that topic, whether it's labor, whether it's automation, whether it's insect control, uh, you name it. Um, And you can find those as special reports that you can download on a monthly basis on GreenhouseCore.com. We have our our fairly newly launched Tech Briefs, which is a bi-weekly newsletter that shares some of the latest innovations from suppliers from across the industry. So that's something that, uh, that you can look forward to. And of course, the continuation of this podcast. We launched this shortly after Cultivate this year came right out of the gate with conversations with Art Van Wingerton and A. Van Wingerton and Metrolina Greenhouses. And it's it's kind of just taken off from there. So we're excited to continuing to have those conversations. So when you talk about that excitement levels, because we start to wrap this up, Julie, what are you most excited for this coming year?
1: You know, I think I'm most excited about the young people that are joining the industry, um, both young people that are looking to start their careers and are finding them in in floriculture, but also the younger consumers. I know a personal example that I think of a lot is, I first garden got into gardening with my grandma because she would buy the exact same geraniums and petunias and begonias from my high school's PTO sale for the last 57 years that <laughs> she's lived in her house but she's 90 now. And I think a lot of the generation that used to plant garden beds um, is getting to the point that they, it's difficult for them to do that still. And the industry has needed a new wave of younger consumers for a long time. So it's really exciting for me to see that COVID finally brought those for us and that you know those are our future buyers.
0: And, you know for me I think it's been great with this podcast having long in-depth conversations with folks from across the industry I think what most excites me as we get into 24 is continuing this to have more of those conversations uh with anybody who's listening now and with you know this vast audience of of growers of, of researchers of suppliers from across the industry um you know I've I've been with greenhouse grower for about eight years now but I came in with really no specific experience in horticulture. So it's a constant learning experience for me. And the only way to learn is to have these types of conversations. So I would say, you know, if, if, if I connect with you as a grower, I want to hear about what are some of your biggest, uh, biggest success stories, some of your biggest challenges, lessons learned, um, what you, what's worked well, what you might want to try doing over again and, and what you're working on it as you move forward. If you're a researcher, you know, the, the, the you're, there's so many hours that are spent um, you know, working on on, on information that's going to be v- valuable to this vast group of, of growers from across the industry. So I look forward to hear more about some of the things that you're working on. If you're an industry supplier or a manufacturer, like to hear not just about, you know, the products that you're putting together, but then how those can best be utilized in greenhouse operations across the country. So a lot of you will hear from Julie and I constantly. So we look forward to having those conversations, just really, you know, giving a chance, not for us to learn more, but for us to educate our audience of growers from across the industry. So um, that's, I think that's what I'm most excited about going into 2024. So Julie, thanks for, you know, taking the time with me today uh, today to look back at 2023 and look ahead to 2024 and You know, we're excited to, you know, keep having conversations uh, with folks uh, just like you and looking forward to what happens in 2024.
1: I'm excited too. Thanks for having me, Brian.
0: Thanks for joining us. You can learn more at greenhousegrower.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen.